Hello, and welcome to this special secret edition of Spoiler Alert. I am your host, Jared. To my left is... Tiffany. Nick. Eric. And we are the Cue It Up podcast. Uh, just as with the last time we did a spoiler alert, it was on The Last Jedi. Uh, Mikey was not able to join us for that one because he was starting up his fan uh, page for the Quentin Tarantino uh, Star Trek movie that is coming. He's, I believe, doing the same thing today. We all agree. He, he I believe he called... If you were to come do the Star Wars pod, um, a conflict of interest. Yeah, he's uh, he's too devoted to Star Trek to believe that be was the bothered term, with yeah. uh, Star Wars. The term he used. Well, who is this a secret from exactly? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I just okay. like it. It just sounds better. Yeah. All right, cool. I'm sure no one guessed that our next spoiler alert yeah. was a Star Wars movie. So let's do a little bit of an introduction. Normally, this is a Netflix-only podcast where we record uh, an episode uh, based off of a review from one movie that's on Netflix currently. Uh, twice a year, usually one summer, usually one holiday movie we do, which are just come out in theaters and ready for you on Monday as you drive to and from work. Uh, we will maintain that after this. Uh, normally, we do a rundown of what we've been watching and then get into a review. For spoiler alerts, we just get it straight into the movies. So with that in mind, please, please be aware that this is going to be spoiler-filled. The episode is called Spoiler Alert. Uh, there is not a point where we're uh, going to be talking spoiler-free about Solo. So if you've not seen Solo, a Star Wars story yet... Please tune out now, see the movie, come back afterwards. That's really how all of our podcasts work, but especially these because it's a couple days after yes. the movie comes out. Be very careful. Yep. All right. So let's get into our review of Solo, a Star Wars story. We'll start off with our uh, star rankings. Uh, our normal rankings are from zero to five. Zero, of course, being Battlefield Earth quality <laughs> and five star being uh, greatest films of all time. Let's go around and give our star ratings. I'm going to go five stars on Solo. Tiffany. I'm going to say four and a half. Have you given them all five? Every one of them. I don't know how I haven't thought of this because I knew it was coming, but Mm -hmm. I have to think about this. I think I'll go four. Okay. I was going to sit at four. Four. All right. Um, Normally, we kind of break it down by what we like and what we don't like. Um, We'll we'll take a little bit of break from that format, and let's just uh, talk about some things that I have noted down here. Um, you took notes. I like breaking format. It feels like a vacation. This yeah. is a special episode. Jared took note. He pre- he did prep work. Come on, man. This is I Star watched Wars. him do. I bring it. out the A game for count. Star Wars. He did it in like the three minutes while we were inside. <laughs> <Yeah. out. laughs> he went and sat on her couch and we're like, "Are you ready to record?" He's like, "Busy." That's right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, guys. The greatest thing that might have been in this film is, of course, let's say it together, Clint Howard. Uh, did anybody Me, cheer oh, yeah, when you Clint. saw Clint? I, I, I giggled to myself. I, I thought it was great. Yeah. <laughs> His hair is out of control. <laughs> you, were you uh, aware of Clint Howard being in this film? I was not. Yeah. Uh, I actually uh, cheered yeah. and clapped when he came on the screen uh, opening night when I saw the film. Okay. I'm going to be the person that was not prepared, mm-hmm. but somewhat prepared still. Mm-hmm. Which character was Clint Howard? So uh, first off, do you know who Clint Howard is? No. So, Ron Howard is the one that directed this movie, right? Yes. Clint Howard is his very strange-looking brother. Oh. Um, I mean that endearingly because I love Clint Howard, and he is in every Ron Howard film, I believe, to date. If there's one without him, I, I'm not aware of it. Um, when they are at the bar or cantina, whatever you want to call it, where he tries to win the Millennium Falcon the first time, there's that scene where... Uh, Lando's robot L3 is yelling about the... She goes oh, up to the cage okay. where the robots are That fighting. human that comes out. That's Ron Howard's brother, okay. Clint Howard. Have you that's ever never funny. seen the Ice Cream Man? No. Yeah, it was a... 
a horror film where Clint Howard played an ice cream man who's really a killer. Awesome. Quality film, by the awesome. way. Awesome. Yep. Hey, it looks like his name was Rolakili. So yep. I don't know Sounds good. Yeah, right. yeah, 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 you know, old Rolakili. <laughs> I looked it up ahead of time because I was like, I'm going to find him, but I mean, yeah. it was pretty It was, it was obvious. pretty obvious. Yeah, it's R-A-L-A-K-I-L-I, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Rolakili. Me and the clit have similar hairlines, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I could really grow out that. He had like this huge long yeah. side head hair, yeah. I guess you would call it. <laughs> I think I should go for it. It's just it, it. It's very endearing to me that Clint Howard is now official Star Wars canon. Kind of looked like he way, was becoming a Klingon for. Mm-hmm. A I have a correction for you because sure. I don't think at this point we can call Clint Howard the strange-looking brother. When was the last time you saw Ron Howard? Yeah, he's not aging well. <laughs> I think he may be stranger no, looking than Clint at this not, point. Not dude, no, I don't know. No, 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 not no. Clint Howard. I don't know. Don't say that because like he. You know, Clint is making a like a you know that's his his life's work is to look weird. That's true. Actually, don't take is, it away. That from is his bread and, and be weird. I yeah, loved yeah. his character in Arrested Development. Don't don't great. take that away from him. Okay. Um. The next thing I'd like to talk about is uh the thing that I was literally shocked when I watched the movie. I had no idea this was coming. Um. And I feel like it's good to get this out of the way because I'll just want to talk about it <laughs> until we get there. Um. Darth Maul. Is in this I movie. actually right. questioned whether or not that was Darth mm-hmm. Maul, and there's a couple of reasons. Okay. So the CGI is a little different. One, he died. He died, but <laughs> if you've seen Clone Wars, the right. animated TV show, then... You know, that's an interesting topic. I was going to reference covered. this later, so let's go to this first, though. Um, as Nick is confused and has seen the Clone Wars and is aware that he is alive, mm-hmm. I wondered when I watched this movie... Oh, I'm not confused. What? I just... Never no, really but here's the thing. It. Yes, and I, I, I kind of get what you're saying. My, my fear is when I saw it, I thought, is this the moment where non-fans start to become confused with the Star Wars franchise? I could very easily see that moment being... Well, there's a few references back to the Clone Wars TV series. Through, there's, there's a lot, in actually. the In the movie, yeah. Yeah. One of my favorites. Ton. Well, we'll get to it when yeah. we get to it, but... Um, as, aside from the fact that I felt the CGI was a little off, the lightsaber's different. Yeah. There's, like, um, hooks yeah. on it. So why did he have to ignite his lightsaber while talking to her? That, was, that would be one <laughs> of Probably the... Probably for um, clarification's <laughs> sake, for the simpleton that doesn't know. It's one of those things. Well, Star Wars has never been known as subtle. It yeah, is what it is. It, but even I was just like, why yeah. is he igniting his well, what's, lightsaber? What's his race? I forget it's what obligatory. It's, uh, I forget what it's called. It's, um... Yeah. But, but I, I'm guessing that so that anyone who's not in the know... Mm-hmm. Wasn't just like, oh, that's a one like Darth Maul, like mm. an alien like Darth Maul, like. Oh, so they, there's no to, confusion. Just to show that it was. I mean, uh, I, here's the thing. Yeah, I guess that's true. He did have robot legs. When yeah. he they when showed he those. grabs the saber with the force, I thought yep. that would be enough. But then they had to ignite the saber. Well, too. you know what? Since we're on this, it's one of my complaints about this movie. Uh, yeah, it is. I don't mind a little fan service. It's jarring. <sighs> I don't this think movie this is, is fan service. In, I didn't feel, yeah, not well, the whole movie, but no, no, like, not this movie. I'm talking were. specifically about the Darth Maul. The Darth oh, Maul thing on, man. is set up for future Star Wars stories. You're, yeah, but come on. He's a Zabrak, it's still It's still fan service. He's one of the most popular characters from the mm-hmm. prequels. Probably the popular character from the prequels. Uh, no. I Obi-Wan mean, I guess it just depends on what your definition yeah, of fan service is. Fan service, to me... Is merely it is there to only like why why is Bosk mentioned in this film? You may not right. even know who no, Bosk is. I have no idea. Yeah, but I, he I is specifically Bosk there to Bosk just be is, fan service. Yeah, the Darth Maul scene is there to set up 
obviously, to me, it, it would be an incomplete an utter um, mystery if he doesn't come back. If Quera, Kira, 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 Kira. Uh, doesn't come back and the relationship with Maul doesn't become integral to either A, a cartoon series coming up, or B, future Star Wars live action films. Either way, I, I get that you want to reveal that Crimson Dawn is not just a crime syndicate, but it's basically run by the Sith. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's not Sith anymore, sir. Oh well, he's even t- he's credited he's, as oh, yeah. Maul, not Darth yeah. Maul. Yeah, but he, he's not good either. Like yep. yeah. at this point, I think he's considered a son of Dathomir. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Half the table nodded. The other half went. Yes, yeah, so, that's right. Uh, that's right. It's been a while since I watched. Clone Eric, Wars, what did but. you think about it? Because um, I love it, but. There's there's a split with me okay. where it is like I love it because I'm a Star Wars fan, but I'm also very afraid of Star Wars movies as the Marvel films have become to me incomprehensible if you're not in the initiated. I feel like it obviously I mean I don't want to give a wrong impression here. I I would say I'm I'm an above average Star Wars fan, but I'm not on the level of like what Jared is. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a diehard. I I know I knew about what happened to Darth Maul afterwards and all that. I didn't realize that he wasn't actually Sith though. Um, like at this point, so well, the way I took that scene is is was just to be like a hey, you know, Crimson Dawn is not just this this things that she's done whatever. It's not just a level of thinking you know to think of a, a different job of the hut. This is involving the dark side of the force it is yeah. involved in the kind of people she's running with. And I thought that reveal was kind of cool, but the way that it was done using Maul, yeah. I felt was extremely jarring. Um, I know I'm watching a Star Wars movie, and I love when I see characters that I know should pop up in that movie. When you see Lando, when you see Chewie, when, when you see all these characters that you're waiting for and you see, they make sense in the Han Solo story. Pulling Darth or pulling Maul, sorry, at this point in, feels like it was fan service. It, it it feels like it was taking a step that the story didn't need it to take. That they did strictly because they're Star Wars fans, mm-hmm. going to be there. I don't think that helps the movie for anyone that's not a Star Wars fan. Yeah, I would honestly rather be fan service because they've got to stop setting things up for next movies in these. In these well, Star Wars isn't things. the whole point of the uh, Star Wars stories movies themselves to be standalones? Yeah, um, and again, like I complain about Marvel doing this kind of thing, so I can't yep. now worship it now that it's in my favorite franchise. Like I see it as a problem. I happen to love it because, again, I'm I am the initiated, I am the uber fan. But you, you know what? Was I just don't too? want them to get to a place. And my my mother's passed away, but I always run things by: uh, Would my mother like it? My mother would have been very confused. I would have had to walk out, explain it to her. There would have been a moment where she had an "Oh, Jared" look on her face, and then we would have left. <laughs> so to me, like that moment, it, it's troubling to me. Yeah, it, it, it is. It worries me about the future of Star Wars. Um, I'll say this too, knowing who that is and knowing, being surprised to see it, but knowing who that is and not being like, who is this guy? What's going on? It was also jarring in the fact that, because I looked it up afterwards. I mean, it was Ray Park. It, it's, yeah. it, but facially, you could tell it was facially. He didn't look like mm-mm. Darth Maul. <laughs> I mean, I, I know that he's not the same age of whenever 
you yeah. know, yeah. whenever the prequels were made, well, 19 it, years. It, it looked like they did things to even make him look older than yeah, he like, would so be. In but the original Phantom Menace, um, he is makeuped. And right. this, it is um, yeah. done digitally to his face. And so here's another, adding another weird element. Ray Park plays and voices Darth Maul in Star Wars Phantom Menace. Yes. Yeah. In the cartoons, the Clone Wars and Rebels, he is... And video games. In the video games. He is voiced by a uh, guy, you may have heard of him. He's he's a really good actor, but he's he's not super famous. His name he's is a, Sam Witwer. He's a Twitch streamer, too, by the way. Sure. Yeah. Um, and a he, he I talk about Star Wars on a level that you guys are like, huh? You should listen to Sam Witwer talking about yeah. Star Wars sometimes. Even I'm like, but he he that looks, dude teaches me about Star Wars. He looks like a jock, but yet he talks like a nerd. Super nerd. Yeah. Well, so he voiced Darth Maul in the cartoons. So for this movie, Darth Maul is played by Ray Park and voiced by Sam Witwer. Yeah, just strange to me because Sam Witwer was doing an impersonation. Of Ray Park, yeah, I don't know. That's don't, yeah. It's very strange to me. It, um, like I said, even knowing who that character is, and even knowing that they were probably trying to age him or whatever, like it still was like it was just odd. Yeah, I just don't feel like the age correlated appropriately given the time frame that we're looking at. Like, no, it wouldn't. But um, neither would it with with Obi Wan. So don't. Worry but I also about don't know. The you're I also for. don't know how his race ages. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, okay, See? okay. That's right. Fair That's right. enough. That's right. Fair point. Well made. Some hand waving. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, let's talk about actors and their roles uh, for this movie. Um, the guy that played Han Solo, uh, Alden Aaron Reich, if I remember it, how to cr- pronounce it correctly. Okay. That is supposed to be him, his impersonation of Harrison Ford doing Han Solo. Um, Tiffany, we'll go to you first. What do you think about his job as uh, Han Solo? I don't think it was terrible. I don't feel that he did a bad job at all. Would it have been my pick? Probably not because he's not a well-known name and that's... One of my personal things. Well, you know, interestingly, it, we have completely opposite. I think it's better. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. It, my thing was if that was a famous actor doing um, Harrison Ford, it would have been much more confusing for me. I've seen him in one other movie before, but um, which he was fantastic. He was fantastic, and I, I was I like the fact that I didn't. I could just try to see him as Han Solo instead of trying to see. Yeah. Whoever. Instead of just glazing him. over that, um, just for anyone listening. Uh, well, I can't even think. The name of the Coen Brothers movie, if that is Jared. Uh, Hail Caesar. Hail Caesar. He plays the uh, cowboy mm-hmm. uh, in that. And and it, and that was literally a thing. That's what, one of the things I got excited for with this movie is because in, in Hail Caesar, that movie is full. I mean, that is one of the most stacked casts you've ever seen mm-hmm. on a movie. And then there was a guy who was a one of the biggest roles of that movie that nobody knew who he was. No, none of us and in he there. Was the best he in was the, the best part about yep. that movie. So it gave me a lot of hope for this and seeing how he would do with Solo. Um, what were your thoughts on it? I early, mm-hmm. I had trouble accepting, and I knew it was going to be that case. I had trouble accepting him as the way I would think of a young Han Solo. That went away. Um, I don't know what point it went away in the movie. Um, at a certain point, I just accepted the fact that, and I, and I knew I was going to have to do that. That this is not a young Harrison Ford, unless you want to have a CGI character or or get someone who is not a great actor but just looks like Harrison Ford. You're you're seeing a, a story. You're getting a window into that kind of story. It's the same thing of like you know when I watch. 
Game of Thrones and then I watch like the animated histories of Game of Thrones, you have to just accept that it's a character story. It's yeah. a story about a character and someone in whatever shape or fashion is delivering that story to you. And if you want those stories, you're going to have to get used to the fact that it can't always be the same person. Yeah, it's kind of the, the limitation. I love film because to me, film has... It's the ultimate medium for telling stories with one problem. When J.K.R. Rawlings wants to write a Harry Potter story, Harry can do whatever because you don't have to worry about the the person that plays uh, Ron because there may be some contractual obligations or maybe he got into a car accident in between filming. She can just literally write whatever she wants to and not worry about real... In film... You are bound, so you just can't write a young Harrison, a uh, young Han Solo movie, and not worry about the fact that well, the guy that plays him is a seventy-year-old, very barely there pothead now. Um, you know, you you're bound by it. So to me, if you're going to make this and and you're going to have to recast such an iconic character as Han Solo, I think this is about as good as it gets. I was very worried about it, and then I was worried early into the movie because it wasn't winning me over, and then as like I said, whatever that's switch whenever it flipped mm-hmm. i really started liking the character and, and the way he was doing it because it's like there's hints of the way harrison plays that but he's not trying to exactly imitate yeah, yeah i love that he, uh, he's not harrison doing ford. an impersonation of uh harrison ford he's just playing a young he's doing han an solo. interpretation of han solo yep. yeah mm-hmm. nick what about you uh, i'd rather have him acting well than trying to do an impression of mm-hmm. harrison ford mm-hmm. and not pull it off yeah um so it didn't bother me at all i liked it <clears throat> Did you guys um, think that he had the swagger that is needed for oh that yeah. character? Oh, um, yeah. He had some of it, but I think even if he doesn't really have it all, I mean, we're looking at Han Solo early in yeah. life. He's yeah. got mm-hmm. plenty of time Before to develop. Knocks yeah. hit him. It, it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're talking about the Han that says, I've got a good feeling about this, not yeah. the yeah. Han that... I've Which even in and of itself is a Star Wars yeah. joke. It is, but I mean, it, that's one of those fun ones too because it just shows you that it's like, this is not your Han Solo. This is the Han Solo before you met your Han Solo. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there, it's okay for it not to be a, a, a carbonite copy. Carbonite. Uh, <laughs> <but>, uh, <laughs> nice, Eric. Very <laughs> props. Mad props, sir. It, it's okay for that mad because it, you, you get to see Ugh. the transition from mm-hmm. where he was yep. to where he is when you... When you See him in my only movie. problem I think I had with him, and it it might just be because again we're we're dealing with a young Han Solo, but there's that part very early on when he gets separated from Kira the first time, and he kind of like hides in those um, up against a wall, and it looks like he's gonna cry, and I was like, I'm having a hard time seeing Han Solo like. Well, this. yeah, but that's the thing though, like. He's Obviously, just that's this what is, builds him into the character. This that is we the know. this is the one that hardens him. Like this is the girl that really crushes him. Yeah. Um, at some point in the movie, I was like, she's probably going to die. And then I thought, no, it'd probably be better if she lives and betrays him because yeah. that explains a lot about Han Solo. Cuts a little deeper. Well, yeah. she tried to, she, without saying anything, tried to warn him. There was so much that he didn't know about her. Yeah, it got a little heavy handed. You know what? I, I would be interested to hear what you guys have to say about this because when I was watching the movie, um, in my head, the way I saw it happening, um, Woody Harrelson's character would betray him. I thought they would make it look like her character would betray him, but then wouldn't, and then she would die. That's that's how I saw it going. Um, I was very surprised and well, I thought it was well done the way that they handled uh, the Becker scene, the Woody Harrelson scene. 
Um, I was gen- uh, Woody Harrelson. The Beck- Tobias Beckett. 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 Yeah. Beckett? Sure. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, Becker is... Uh, Ted Danson? Yeah. 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 Right. My dad loved that show. It was a good show. <laughs> I, I used to watch it. I was actually surprised at the way that the stuff went down with Kira. Were you guys surprised or was that how you saw it going down? I wasn't completely surprised. I was hoping it wouldn't go that way, but I kind of saw the writing on the wall as the movie built up to that point. Yeah. And then, Nick, I think you were saying that's actually how you saw it going down. Uh, at some point. At some point in the movie, I was like, yeah, she's probably going to betray him yeah that would yeah. make sense well and i think they find a nice medium where she she Helps lets him cause yeah and then also tells darth uh that tells maul sorry we're just gonna call him darth maul yeah i'll think about i'll say it every single time yeah um and even tells uh darth maul that uh it was done by beckett yeah and so you know uh, Crimson Dawn's not going to be hunting Han Solo for the rest of his life. So they found an easy medium, but it it still cuts deep when um, she flies away in that yeah, uh, yeah. yacht thing. Eric, what were your thoughts on I, it? I agree with that. I I thought it kind of could have gone either way. I thought the story could have been served well to have her die, but I think even if she died, I think there needed to be that betrayal there to mm-hmm. to cause that distrust that he has later. Um, the uh, Han Solo, as we see him when we when we enter the the original movies, is not a bad guy, but like a guy that you shouldn't trust because he doesn't trust you. Mm-hmm. And it it we get to see him make that switch, um, you know, in those in the original movies, um, and I think that needed to be set up. I I think especially considering such a huge part of the way we think about Han Solo, we don't think of about him solo. We think about him together with other people and with the the relationships that that he has with those people especially uh leia um and so since the romantic side of star wars has always been that han and leia um kind of thing and and then what has sprung you know after in the prequels and, and so on and so forth to have that character be like that, like if you're gonna do a movie about the character, you need to show. Yeah, I was afraid there. they were going to to break his character. In in Episode Four, you take a guy who's not exactly great, and then he ends up he he stops being selfish and learns to think about other people, and that's his arc in Episode Four. And I was afraid that this movie was going to basically present us the same arc. They found a very nice happy medium again, where. He thinks that he's the bad guy, and at the end of this film, he still thinks he's he's the villain. Yet, you know, as Kira is telling I, him, "You're not." Jared right, Hunt shot yeah. first, man. Yeah, um, that was uh, Lawrence Kasdan and John Kasdan. I I don't know anything about John Kasdan, but uh, that's his son. Yeah, Lawrence Kasdan is the about that. Um, guy that uh, wrote this film. Uh, he's also co-writer on The Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, and The Force Awakens. Um, he has said many times before that Han Solo is his favorite character. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that moment when he shoots Beckett. Obviously, first, it, it, it is meta in the way that it is bouncing off of the Star Wars in joke about Han shot first and all that. Regardless of the real world joke or circumstances around it, it really works for this movie. When when you see Beckett kind of just start to lift the, the gun and the trigger on it, and he shoots him, it's just a great moment. If you're writing a Han Solo movie, that's to me just the perfect moment for this film. Because we need to see him... <coughs> here's the thing, he's kind of... He's skirting the line of, of scoundrel throughout this movie. 
And I'm not saying that he's a scoundrel in that moment. Not enough but, scoundrels in your life here. Yeah. Um, he, he's skirting the line through a lot of this movie, but in, in his mind, he's more of a dirtbag than what he is. Like, he's, as it's what she tells him, you're the good guy, you know, you just don't know it kind of thing. Um, that final scene there where he, like, where he shoots uh, Beckett, mm-hmm. it needed to be done, but the good guy, if you're, you know, a lot of times, you think of a lot of the Jedi. It's like, that's not... What that's not the way you go about it, and the fact that he does that because it needs to be done, but he's willing to to cross that moral, you know, crevice, yeah. um, and do that. I I thought it was a good thing to set up the way that the rest of his time, as you know, we don't see him between then and the original movies. I think that was a, I was I think that was a good way to leap that forward. But you also don't just have him coldly shoot the guy and walk away. He goes and he yeah. cradles him and he. You know, has a tender moment with yep. this man that he has a fatherly kind of um, like attraction toward. Like it's you know he it's not his dad, but you know we've kind of been told he never you know he's a loner, and you hear him it's talk about writing. his dad. Like you know, it's just this thing of like he's willing to make those moral leaps that some other characters in the Star Wars world are not. Yeah, um, Tiffany, you're kind of the besides me the Uber fan in this. Um, on the, at this table, mm-hmm. um, how what did you think about Chewbacca and the way that he was treated in this film? Um, they needed to set up a little bit of Chewbacca's story. It it wasn't all, you know, sidekick to Han Solo mm-hmm. the whole time. I think they did a pretty good job. Um, I would have liked a little more information on the other Wookies that he saved. Yeah. However, the fact that they didn't address that isn't terrible to me. I still think they did they a really, really good job. Titles either, like you know. Yeah, no. I was actually when when he does that in the beginning, I thought, man, if they're going to subtitle Chewie this whole film, which they didn't, they only subtitled when Han said it. So, but I was afraid that that was going to set up for later. I like that it. they have that scene with that random Wookie, uh, and and it's we don't fully know what was said but you can tell by the way they look at each other and like the sign of respect <laughs> right. that they have for each other. Right. I did expect a little bit more Chewy and Han in this movie though. Yeah. Um, Nick, this was a good think? Setup, I think it I was think. I, I think it was okay. It wasn't good balance. I think it was a good balance because they had a whole lot of stuff going on in this movie and there was a lot that they had to circle around to and I think that I think it was okay in my opinion it was yeah. okay. Nick what did you think about it? I had no issue with it. I think, like, you're telling the story of someone that's hundreds of years old. I mean, where do you stop? Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. I thought it was fine. I really did. Considering what we're we're wanting to see out of that is not... I mean, yes, we're we're watching a Solo story. So, it's like we're, we're, we're watching the story of Han Solo. But a big part of that story is how Chewie comes into his life. I, I think seeing too much... Before that would have not fit well yeah, for I mean, what the, the story they were trying to tell here. And I don't know what it... I'm not someone who had read a bunch of novels, even though a lot of those are no, no longer canon. Never, never read the Brian Daly's, man? Uh, I'm just saying, I, I, I am not aware fully. I knew some a little bit of things, but I, I, I'm saying I'm not aware fully of how the origin of that pair was supposed to start. I thought you they handled... tell you, I can make it quick. Um, of how it was before? Yeah, in the original Expanded Universe... Uh, Han Solo is signed up to be in the Imperial Academy, ends up as a stormtrooper. He's given the order to execute a bunch of Wookiees. Uh, he refuses that order and um, lets the uh, Wookiees escape. 
uh, for letting the Wookiees escape. Uh, Chewbacca uh, gives him his, his life dead, and then they go off and go about their adventures. I like that. Um, it does, but you know what? I'm not saying it's the exact same thing. I think when you've just done recently a story where a stormtrooper doesn't want to slaughter people. And I thought the same it, thing. It, it, it's too soon. It's too close to... Um, like I said, I mean, I, don't, I mean, I, I didn't. This. I personally didn't draw that parallel. Yeah. But uh, I am not quite as critical as most people are. I just enjoy the stories. Yeah. I thought it was handled well. It. I thought the progression of how, especially showing too, like when when Chewie sits in the back seat. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, the me as a Star Wars fan, um, I keep waiting for the moment where oh, Han yeah. is in his seat, Chewbacca is in his seat, yeah. and they keep. This this maneuvering thing where it's just <laughs> never quite right, and so that first moment when Chewbacca sits down, it's like it's one of my favorite moments yeah. of the movie. And it's the music really kicks in. Well, gear the music doesn't just huh? kick in; it kicks into some classic Star Wars. Absolutely, music. yeah. It, it, I mean, that was an absolutely <laughs> intentional choice. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Let's talk about the music. So, uh, John Williams did not write the music for this movie. He wrote one theme. Uh, for the movie, okay. it's played early on. The rest of the music is created uh, is composed by a guy named John Powell. I know a little bit about him. He's never struck. He he's never he wasn't on my list. Let's just put it that way. Of people I'd like to see take over um, a Star Wars movie. I don't know if John Powell's coming back. Uh, I have my own thoughts, but what did you guys think about the music from the movie? Um. Did it create an iconic theme that I'm going to remember afterwards, which is usually something that Jared wants out of a Star Wars movie? Yeah. No. Um, maybe upon rewatching, I'll change my mind, but I didn't walk away from this viewing remembering anything. I did remember some choices that were made. Um, like, for instance, um, when the the movie starts out and you, you see the Lucasfilm pop up and mm-hmm. you're waiting for that loud kick in of music yeah. and it doesn't happen yeah. um it's something simple but i mean i appreciate stuff like that when i'm like this isn't one of the you know regular episodes, episodes. Yep. Um, yeah i wondered if they were gonna follow in the same footsteps as rogue one and not do the crawl which they didn't they kind of cheated crawl. they did like a halfway they, yeah. they did just like flashes of of phrases yeah and that's not the same thing but it kind of sort of still sets up the story versus where with Rogue One, there was nothing. It just went straight into the yeah. movie. I like the music. I thought it serviced the scenes well, but I don't remember much from it. Um, That's the I have two thoughts on things I really didn't like, but uh, Tiffany and Nick, do you guys have anything to highlight as far as music goes? Uh, no, I mean, I don't. none of it was very memorable to me. The only thing weird about music that I noticed, I thought was strange, was... When they show that recruitment film for the Empire, yeah, it's, it's and they're the, playing uh, Imperial the Imperial theme, yeah, that's, in, in, that's, in world, it doesn't quite sit right to me. Um, it's like, are they all hearing the music that we're hearing when they? When well, and you notice you know, it's, it's like weird. a they take the Imperial theme and they make it as um, glorious as right, it can yeah. be. Um, I I too have a problem with the yeah. music soundtrack being used in world. Uh, it, it's strange, it's but weird. it is what it's it is. It's a weird choice, but other than that, I don't know. Anything that, from you, Tiff? That's why it didn't get five stars for me. It was the music? It was the music. I is don't there anything really... specifically that you could mention that didn't work for you? Because I have a couple. I'm with Eric and Nick on this. I didn't really have anything that stuck out to me. So like, it was lack of memorable. It was very, very gotcha. lacking. And it's not that it was terrible. I'm sure that the music was amazing. I remember the dialogue more than I remember the music. Yeah, Lawrence Kasdan's dialogue is very, very to good. To be fair, to be fair, 
it's not that I don't remember anything from it, but I remember things that I already knew. Um, that I remember, like I said, you know, th- themes or, or, or stuff that I was already familiar with in a Star Wars sense. And you got to look at it. I, I do look at it from the perspective of people that are wanting you to accept this as in-world, mm-hmm. as, as canon, as part of this same universe. It makes sense to not want to take too many leaps in terms of adding things that maybe yeah. don't work and just playing off of things that already do that remind you of that universe. Okay. I, I'm, I'm, I get it. Yep. But what the end result is, I don't remember much. Uh, you're, you're right on there with where I was going uh, with my thoughts. Uh, the best music in this movie is when John Williams' um, favorite hits uh, yeah. start up. <laughs> I like some of the, the things that he does with it, specifically the moment when uh, Chewbacca and Han sit in there, and it, the most triumphant version of that song I've ever heard kicks in, and yeah. that's a great moment. But there are two moments of this movie that specifically felt odd when I watched it. So to me, the best thing no, the best thing that a soundtrack can be is super memorable. A, a decent job is when it scores the movie, and I don't notice bad or good. Worse is when specific moments of a movie fall flat to me because of the soundtrack getting in the way. The two moments that I'm specifically going to reference as being problematic, um, I forget the name of the characters, but the people that um, have been following them that are going to try to take their yeah, score. The in, infest, in, 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 nest. In, infest Nest. Yeah, whatever that is. The, the song that he wrote for them is this sounds like a uh, a young person choir i don't know what it is it's not good it it feels very strange it feels very not star wars on top of it um do you guys remember what i'm talking about nope I have no it's the only it choral music right. in the whole film okay. i do remember hearing something like that but i don't remember associated with where it was yeah i thought that was terrible the only other moment is later in the film when han solo is leaving for the last time from kira and she's going to go away. He does this melodramatic piano-only version of a Star Wars music, and it feels to me like soap opera. Um, I I really hate that moment because, again, the composer is getting in the way of the movie. I feel like you're too close. Yeah. Well, and I'm also like I'm a John Williams Uber fan. I I think yeah. the man is the greatest composer that ever lived, at least the greatest composer I'm aware of. And I'm having a hard time transitioning into a post John Williams Star Wars. I'm not saying you can't point out something that I'll agree or notice upon second viewing. I feel like the reason you notice that is because of how close you are to just everything about this. You go into these movies looking for that, don't you? Um you almost have John to. John Williams is Guys, he is very old. I know. And as a matter of fact, I, I believe it is if he even lives long enough. I, I wish that he does. I'm not Right. I'm you know, I I don't want to speak ill of him because I, I hope that he lives, but his last soundtrack, if he even lives that long, is going to be for episode nine. Sure. Um and after that, I this is it. I don't get any new John Williams scores, and I'm to me. Um, hasn't the man given you enough? I know. Well, yeah, you but just can't. my you, God. It, it is an essential. Have you ever read The Giving Tree, Jared? <laughs> if you make a hamburger and you don't put cheese on it, it's not a cheeseburger. It, it misses something, right? To me, but John, John Williams, Williams is part of that. On it. He puts oh, boy. ketchup. He puts onions. Yes. He puts boy. everything on there, and you, you take it and you like it. 
Star John Williams' music for Star Wars has been called by many other people besides me the oxygen of Star Wars. Um, if it's not there, it's noticeable. I think Michael Giacchino did a admirable but very rushed job for Rogue One, Rogue One, and I feel like this movie here with John Powell just doesn't seem to cut it for me. And again, maybe you guys are right. Maybe you're I'm being too about, harsh because I'm I'm mourning. You're talking John about Williams someone already, who but. listens to John Williams' music when he's not watching the movies. You're talking to someone who hums it. <laughs> as you go to bed like you're 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 too close yeah i don't know that it's i i actually just looked at uh john powell and uh, his, he did score the movie that we're going to be doing this week face off yes that was actually his first Ugh. major movie <laughs> try not to hold that against yeah. that he scored but he's got a ton of of really good movies under his belt good movies m- may not necessarily be good soundtracks but True. Uh, i think we've beat this drum so. beat this drum long enough get it it's music Boo. Oh my goodness. <laughs> i love Boo. it all right um before the movie came out, I was warned that there was a scene stealer in the movie, that somebody was going to outshine Han Solo, and that mm. was the guy that plays Lando Calrissian. His name is Eric. <sighs> Don- Denal- the Childish Gambino. Donald Glover. Yeah. The Childish Gambino, yeah. that's right. D- Donald, which I hate saying, but I'll say it. Donald Glover, not- that's right. <laughs> Donald, yeah, we're going to say Donald. Donald Glover. I was warned that he was actually going to steal the movie. Now, I think he did a great job, yeah. and he perfectly... Is what I think of Lando Calrissian. Yes, he did a very good job. I, unlike what I had the issue with accepting uh, Alden again, however you pronounce it, Aaron Reich or Aaron I Reich, believe that's right. Um, as Han Solo early, I immediately accepted as as Lando. Everything you've like heard the, about me is well, true. The way yeah. he says it too, it sounded like the very first line he says almost sounded like Billy D. Williams. He's voice got it. he's got the the accent perfectly yeah, the, the cadence of how the you doing jubaga yeah it it not was that's not bad yeah. it's it, not bad it, it was it, very it was very if i would have closed my eyes i could have very easily seen billy d williams yeah playing that Love very billy easily d. i'm sure really he good. could have too yeah <laughs> well <laughs> billy d's getting up there yeah. yeah he's he's not a spring chicken anymore no, he's not he offered to play the role he plays him in anything. Uh, yeah, he is, he's put a blanket statement out there. He doesn't care what project you have. If Lando Calrissian oh. is in it, let him know and he let's, will do it. He does. Let's it do a time. Lando Calrissian audio oh, audio book. Awesome. Oh my goodness. Call Billy D. Dude, what I if we? It. No, what if we we'll add him, an imaginary oh. character to our <laughs> podcast? Name Lando Calrissian. And he just replaced oh, Yeah, yeah. We <laughs> now get, we're talking. We get the Billy D. On Poor the Mikey. Billy D. Now I thought I thought he did a really good job as Lando. On the other hand, there was a point in this early on when I was like, "Is he just going to try to do a Billy D. Williams impression the whole time? Because that's going to get old." Um, he but does he kind of doesn't. Well, and what he does, he when he is in a crowd scene. Yeah, when he's like he putting on a persona. He puts on that persona. But yeah, yeah, when yeah. He, they're in not close corner, when he they're in close corners where there's not as many people close around. Close quarters? That's that's what I said. I right. Think. Okay. Um, <laughs> he he kind of becomes something different, a lot less showy. Yeah. I think Very he did a choice. good job of kind of transitioning out of it because, especially in that first big scene with him, like right away, actually, the first time I heard him, I was like, he's got it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after he did it for a while, I was like, eh, eh, I don't know. Um, and then he just kind of stopped, so I was glad. Uh, there was also something to do with him that he wasn't even a part of that like actually really made me laugh. 
whenever she walks in and she's checking out all the capes, I'm like, there's a lot of capes. <laughs> like, and she's wearing the like, one that yeah. he wears in on Cloud City. I gotta yeah. say, I, I'm not a, usually a huge fan of like humor in these new Star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. This film, I thought, did it was a pretty the right well. amount. Yeah. It, it wasn't over I would, the top. I would agree it with that. As far as comedy in the new Star Wars movies, I think this one nailed it the yeah, best. they did good. Um, it was very subtle. It wasn't like yeah, it in your face, right, 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 right there, kind of like other. Yeah. The cape thing was funny too. Yeah, yeah. the cape thing was. That <laughs> was very funny. Where does this rank with your? Oh. Let's just say recent Star Wars movies. Don't worry about the original six. Um, out of the four that have been released, where does this sit? Jeez, I don't know, man. Oh. Tiffany, two or three. I would actually say it's my least favorite. Again, that's like saying who's my least favorite child. My least favorite would be Rogue much. One. Rogue uh, One, I Rogue love Rogue One, One has grown in its stature. I'll Every time this. I watch Rogue One, I like it a little bit more. Yeah. I may, I think I enjoy the story more here because, in the sense of, I'm more attached already to the characters, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but I think Rogue One was a much higher quality movie. I think Rogue One was about as solid as you get for a spinoff, yeah, uh, kind of movie. I, I, it really set the bar. It set well, the bar pretty high. There's two things about Rogue One that I think can be counted against this film. Um, Rogue One has two major things going for it. First off, it has stakes, high stakes. The fate of the galaxy is is resting on All our right. hands. Yeah. The stakes make a difference. Um, the other part of it is, and it's, uh, you know, I've already used the metaphor about the secret sauce uh, or the oxygen of Star Wars. But the secret sauce of Star Wars to me is spirituality. Um, Rogue One had the characters of Baze and Chirrut that really were the heart and soul of that film to me. This one is the very first Star Wars movie ever made, as far as I, I can tell, where spirituality has nothing to do with this yeah. movie, which is the right choice for a Han Solo film. But right. I don't remember it even remotely. I mean, the only thing that is even used is uh, Darth Maul uh, yeah. uses the Force That's one it. time to grab his lightsaber so that it can ignite it while he's uh, on a hollow recording. <laughs> Yeah, and for that reason, actually, I don't even feel like I can compare the side stories to the mainline yeah. stories. So, yeah. I don't know. I didn't like this as much as okay, Rogue so One. Then yeah, I would say this is my favorite of the Star Wars okay. stories. Star Wars. We'll yeah, put it that way. Favorite yeah. of the two. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys miss the lack of spirituality? Was that a problem for you? Uh, it, it's the only. It's one of those things, guys. Like I gave it five stars, and I thought about taking a half star away from it. But I was like, that's not fair. I I to do like. I, wouldn't miss it mm-hmm. except for the fact that you put us like I said the force in it at the very end for a throwaway kind of scene i would have rather them just i would have accepted the fact that this was a movie that it, where han solo has not it's about han solo it's about it's not about the entire universe it's about his journey and his journey has not intersected with <laughs> that level of spirituality or the Jedi or anything at, at that point. Well, you had to know it was coming, right? Yeah. I mean, in the very first movie, Han Solo says he's never, never. seen anything that would make him believe yeah. in the Force. So I kind of assumed it wouldn't be in this movie to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. To, so to, to I've kind of accepted that that was kind of how, be how that movie was going to be. And then that, that mall scene just, I, I don't know. Like I said, it feels like it betrays... Some of the uh, it's the, good the, for the Star Wars the mythology. It's, it's bad for Solo the movie. Yeah. With, is that a fair yes, thing? I think that's very fair. I have a question for you, Jared. Yes. Kind of off the subject, uh, how he gets his last name? That Solo, yeah, that was very interesting. Now, is that the way that it is? I don't know. In the I don't literature, think so. I don't know. I, I here's the thing. I've I, I'm very selective on the Star Wars books. I was willing to read. 
I am a reader, but the Star Wars books have never <laughs> been great literature, with one exception. If you ever want to read some good Star Wars books, read uh, the books by Timothy Zahn. He's the only well, they don't what I consider now, to be Jared. legit author. It doesn't matter if they, they do or not. The no. Heir to the Empire trilogy is great yeah. Star Wars. I don't care if it's canon or mm-hmm. not. It's great Star Wars. Um I liked it. I, liked I, I the did review. too. Um, um, go ahead. But why? Why do you like it though? I, I. I mean, it. It's one of those things that you take for granted, and and it been made fun of in the sense of that, like people over time have been made the joke about you know why Han Solo, you know what what the solo means. George Lucas has never been uh, accused of being subtle. Yeah, but the thing is, is like you never really took it as that's what it was. For, you know, that's why he was named Solo. It's there to reference his thing, and this idea that it's like. And to be honest, it made me curious because he he does ha- he does have a last name. He mentioned it's not like he doesn't know his father. He talks yeah. about his father being laid off. I think that's a setup for a sequel. Yeah, could I, be wrong. I just like the idea that he feels not connected to anything at that point. Yeah. So much so that he doesn't even mention a last name when he's legit trying to. It's not like. It's not like it's going to benefit him to say that he doesn't have a last name right there. He's trying to escape. He's trying to leave. But yet, he still can't bring himself to connect him to his own family and his own past. He mm-hmm. feels like he has no one. Yeah. Um. So, like, the, I like that idea that, you know, this guy, Han Solo, like, it's just kind of given to him as a throwaway thing, and he's embraced it. I think it's the best kind of retconning. Um, retconning is a term where you fix prior mistakes in later things by giving it new context. Um. George Lucas, when he wrote the original Star Wars, he gave the character who's alone or the last name Solo, not very subtle. Um, do you, but speaking of it, do you think that we're going to find out that Greedo is not really Greedo's name, that it has something else to do with it? What do you think? Mm. Guys, it's a joke. Don't worry about it. I was going to um, say it, do. I, I, that wasn't I a think we're going to find out that I don't care. It was me pointing right? out, again, like, the, the lack of subtlety yeah. from uh, I just George thought Lucas. it was cool the way they touched on it. I do. I, I think it's great. It actually gives a in-world reason for something silly that george lucas did back in when he was writing the script back it, in it's more more of a tangible yeah. thing uh one of the questions i have is uh we've talked about this before with rogue one and i think it's a good question for this movie as hmm. well is this a good film or is this a good star wars film this is a very good Star Wars film. I agree. I, I Let me ask you a question. I've had the thought. You take somebody that yeah. is not a Star Wars fan, you go see Rogue One, I think it works perfectly. I think that movie works very well no matter what. I think if you take the uninitiated, somebody that knows next to nothing about Star Wars and take them to this movie, I think they are lost and I think the movie mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense. There's a whole lot of, of references to history and things that... People that are fans like yeah, Jared and I. killed Aurora Singh, guys. Or, oh, my goodness. Like, Eric. That blew Nick, my mind that they mentioned Aurora her. Aurora so Singh excited. was killed by Becker? What do you think? Beckett. No, by Becker? You know. Becker. I did it again. <laughs> Becker. But uh, not just th- that. Ted Danson came in and killed yeah. Aurora oh Singh. Sorry. I have no idea who that is, um, unfortunately. Actually, you might. In episode one. Okay. There, when they're in the pod racing sequence, there is a uh, very distinctive looking bounty huntress. That is overlooking the thing. She has white skin. She's holding a gun. She's got this real distinctive looking hair. Mm-hmm. That's who. Uh, no, I don't Becky know she's that. in I don't there know for like half a, second. a split yeah. second. It's, it's so she's it's more so prominent beautiful. in the Clone bit. Wars animated series. Yeah, yeah. I've seen the Clone Wars. I still don't remember. She was, she was one of my favorite characters <laughs> just because of her sass. I'll say I loved this. it. 
it's okay in, in this movie because when you're going to throw in references like that, mm-hmm. don't focus on it. Just don't mention it. Just do it and then move on. Um, don't draw attention to it if you know about it. Cool. Yeah. If you don't, it doesn't hurt the movie. Like, for instance, like uh, Beckett, whenever they're going into uh, on uh, yeah, Becker's a good character. Yeah, <laughs> when they're going in and they leave Lon, uh, Lando on the Millennium Falcon, I thought it was really cool that they have Beckett wear the same outfit that uh, yes. Lando wears later yeah. in the uh, in Jabba's palace. Yeah, I thought that was, it was literally the exact same. I, outfit I noticed that, he goes that in too. With. I was like, that's awesome. So Lando just kind of has like. A bunch of costumes in the morning. Yeah. Okay. It's weird that he didn't pull the mask down to show who he was. In yeah. This one. Yeah. Which, by the way, why does he do that in Return of the Jedi? No, I mean that's my point. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. You were gonna say something? I don't know. I think maybe they're might be trying to pull too much of our common societal. Don't worry about that. Themes in. Uh, not not for yeah. this podcast, especially. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, least favorite moment of the movie. Uh, Nick, why don't you start us off on that? Least favorite moment. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You kind of sprung that on me. Let me think. Eric, uh, least favorite moment. Come back to me. Just a uh, warning. I'm going to go to most favorite mo- uh, moment. Yeah, after, I so. kind of figured Anybody that. have one? I mean, I, I guess we could say uh, if I have to pick one, I could say that the, how jarring the mall scene felt. Is um, the we've talked favorite. about it a lot. I have <laughs> other negatives that I'd like to mention, but if I have to pick a least favorite moment, I guess it's that because uh, nothing else jumps out right away. Yeah. I can I can second that. I, I the CGI was off. Like the CGI to, in my eyes was terrible. But I mean, it just like it just seemed well, like res. it just didn't right. seem to serve the purpose of the story more than what it served the purpose of. Hey, look at this cool Star Wars thing that. Yeah, I mean gonna, it. it story wise, it connected some dots. Thematically, for the movie, but, it just didn't feel like it. But it did, it, like it, it connected dots in the sense of like it showed you the, the the what they've already been saying, which is I'm in deeper than what you imagine. You know, you don't mm-hmm. understand what I've done. It's just like you don't have to fully explain all that. And there are other ways to do that. There are other ways to show that, or even hint that it's you know related to something of you know the dark side of the force. Like you, you can do that a lot of ways without having to bring a fan favorite character that had nothing to do in, with any point in the you know at least on screen with this movie it just feels like pulled out of left field to just yeah. all of a sudden again i think that. that it rings that bell that we were talking about about this not being a great film but being a uh, good star wars movie mm-hmm. um nick do you have a moment that you wanted to highlight as least favorite yeah i don't know if same? you want to talk about it yeah go for it the reveal of Lando being in love with a droid was more than I could take. Can't do it. Okay, I agree. I agree. that It was a little over the top. Yeah. Um, Actually, not so much that. Uh, this is the first time I ever remember them bringing sexuality into Star Wars. They make a very close to off-color joke about him having sexual relations with that robot. Mm-hmm. I didn't care for it. In fact, if they're going to keep doing that, that'll be it for me for Star Wars, unfortunately. Yeah. Eric, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, it didn't bother me. Um, I, I feel like it's added, um, and only because uh, there's been articles with uh, Jonathan Kasdan um, where he's discussed the sexuality of Lando. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, it it it's basically they want to make the point that he he doesn't have limits 
He whether it's male, female, droid, alien, he's just a sexual character. And I get that and I'm okay with that. I feel like it's more done out of political reasons than it is out of necessity for the for that character. Yeah. Um so like it bothers me in that sense because if if it had just happened in the movie, I I wouldn't think too much of it knowing that they basically have said they intentionally have tried to make him be a certain way or think of him a certain way. I, I I don't like when that gets brought into already existing movie franchises or 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 things that I already love, where they where someone else comes along and needs to feel the need to tag it in a new way um, yeah. that changes and it doesn't change. I don't think it changes. It just was never fully addressed. Like you can watch the originals and not know that about Lando and not need to because it doesn't benefit the story. It does. I would say that is true of sexuality in any way, shape, or form in the Star Wars galaxy. Yeah. I, there's a quote from the director of uh, Empire Strikes Back, Irvin Kershner, who said that in Star Wars, and this is a man that understood Star Wars, according to most people, he made the best Star Wars movie ever made, um, that the equivalent when a character kisses in Star Wars is the equivalent of another franchise where two characters have had sex. Um, I feel that, to me, that perfectly encapsulates what Star Wars and this type of stuff should do. Um, it should have nothing to do with the plot. These are supposed to be family-friendly films, and the question of whether or not Lando Calrissian has sexual attraction for a robot seems to be very strange and goes against the universe. But it's yeah. it's not just that. It's just not. I I I'm okay, I'm okay with it in the sense of it's the same kind of thing. You only have brief moments to do this because this is not Lando's story. Same as this wasn't Chewie's story. This is Han Solo's story. So. I, I, if you're going to put those characters in there and not just have them be cameos, I think it is nice to give some backstory to the later what we see of those characters as well, too. And, I mean, Lando is very much the, the you know, Han Solo-like equivalent. He's the scoundrel that's good with the ladies that's, you know... And, and it's this thing, uh, never seemingly tied down kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And if you give him some story to where... You know, he maybe had feelings or never like really addressed it, but like he said, he was a he he had he was emotionally attached to something, and then he lost that thing. I'm okay with that, and to be honest, I don't care if it's a if it's a droid or not because if it's a droid in today's world, it's weird. But you you have a world where it's like droids are you know are basically thought of. I mean, they're they're treated. In a lesser sense, but they're thought of like people by a lot of different people. And it's the same way that it's not as crazy weird to see think of a character that has, uh, you know, relations with like a like a another species or something. It's just kind of something that's not frowned upon in that universe. That it's yes, there's a lot of stuff, but it's grown beyond. I'm okay with Lando doing that, and I like the the idea that he was emotionally attached to something. I, I don't think you need to bring it to the point though of. Saying you know well how does that work and oh it works like the the line kind of happens there yeah um I don't think you need to take it that far I'm okay though with him being emotionally attached yeah, in a romantic they left sense it there I mean okay I mean um I don't need to know about inputs and ports and yeah, things yeah, that I, I started imagining <laughs> like we're right they because they, that's what they're leading towards oh, you yeah. know um I think that's a bit far for the Star Wars side of it the thing that. I, for my least favorite, I'm not sure if it's... It's not exactly a moment. It is the character of L3 
that I have a problem with. Um, really? What? And let me yeah. explain down to why. Um, in Star Wars, droids are not supposed to have human personalities. Um, the only one that I can think of is you can accuse Anthony da- Anthony Daniels as having a English butler. Uh, personality. I mean, here's the thing: we don't hear voices, but I mean, R two D two is about as human as it gets. Uh, yeah, he, but is R two D two a he's rebellious boy he, or girl? I, I know what you're saying, but yeah. Um, call me crazy. I don't know. I haven't looked into this, but to me, they gave the uh, robot of L three the uh, persona of a. I'm sorry if this offends anybody, but a large black woman. What is strange to me is. Anthony Daniels playing C-3PO is an English butler because his droid was made to be an etiquette and protocol droid. So it makes sense that he would take on the persona (laughs) of that. (laughs) So for me to accept L3's character, which by the way, I'm not, I'm, I'm wondering if this is going to happen. I'm assuming they're going to make racist claims about this movie, about um, making a robot act like that. I don't know if that's going to happen. Michael Bay got into a lot of trouble for doing the exact same thing in his Transformers movies. Um, For me to accept why she's like that, I need to understand what her job is. I honestly didn't perceive a race. I honestly just perceived as an outspoken female character. And and here's the thing. So, so what is her purpose? And why they, was she created? They with never that type even of say female, but it's it's a woman's voice that voices it. So it's like I'm going yeah. to, as a human being, naturally attach a a female person. Oh no, to they did. What he calls her a lady. He calls her she. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. I'm yeah. saying, but I, I'm saying I'm going to do that anyway. If you make it voiced by female, yeah. like I'm going to attach that to that. Now, the idea that you have a droid that is very bent on personal freedoms. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm okay with that droid having a set definition in that droid's mind about who it is in the sense of it, you know, who she is. Like, I'm okay with that. It, it, I didn't honestly didn't see a, a legit didn't. I didn't see like a racial thing to it or, or anything like that. I just saw it as this person who uh, normally in the Star Wars world are very... They're they're very I mean they're they're slaves I mean they really are and now you see the ones that are more free than others but just in in the way that world works they are very much you know slaves so when you have a character like Lando who doesn't treat his droid that way and wouldn't put that upon his droid won't even wipe the memory of his droid whenever it's not doing what he wants to do which in the Star Wars universe the longer you go without wiping a droid's memory the more personality comes out of them. So to me, it, it, that does actually lend a little bit of credence to the character. But it, And it shows respect, too, because he says it's because, you know, she has this nav stuff, and, and that's not why. That's not the, why he the, doesn't wipe the memory. You memories. can tell right away that that's not why, even though she's got... Yeah, it's because he has that... He's connected to that. He, 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 he thinks of it as an equal, even mm-hmm. though it's his ship, you know, in his mind, like that kind of thing. It's like... That's a that's a that's that's a, a comrade. That's that's another person that he you know, like I said, one of the few people that we've seen Lando have a legit emotional reaction toward. Yeah. Um. So it's just like I'm okay with it. I I feel like I don't know. I I, I feel like it's okay for the, to have a character that has been given freedom to be upset that other characters in this world are treated a certain way. I I, I think it. I think Star Wars movies lately have taken the politics of that a little too far. But I think it makes sense to have that kind of character, especially a character that I imagine Lando has given that, like I said, that kind of freedom to for a long enough time that that's just, I I don't think she was like that day one. You know what I mean? Like 
when she first got her uh what's it called Re- restraining bolt or whatever yeah. uh taken off i don't think that she was just going ham like that i think this is a uh, many years of seeing the way the world works and being allowed to think on her own feet or whatever that i can be. buy it as a matter of fact all you need is some world building where you explain to me why she has taken on the persona of um that she has but my fear is that next movie we're going to get a robot who seems like an Irish stereotype. I don't know. Because, again, there's no reason for that type of thing to be in a droid. It just seems odd to me. To, to me, the biggest problem with that character is the same problem that's with the character of Rio uh, also in the movie. Is that you have a character that is the pilot, and that's our pilot. And then Rio, that's our pilot. And when you have a movie where you're, you know that the end game because of what you already know of that character, is that that pilot needs to be replaced. Mm -hmm. It makes all their scenes seem inconsequential because Mm -hmm. I know as a student of story arcs and of film that like, and just just books, whatever, anything, that those characters are going to be removed, either by death or by something else. That character cannot continue on and still get to where we need to get, um, you know, with, with the story. I... I think, uh, and even though when I say this, I've not seen the, the, the last season of the show. I think you have a sh- something like Better Call Saul, um, where we know the end game of our main character. Mm-hmm. The, the joy is the journey is how we get there, and it's delivered in such a way, it's, it's so artfully done, that you never feel cheated, or you never feel like, even if you know something is going to happen, it, the journey is finding an out uh, how it happens. Yeah. I didn't feel like that with this character, especially the character of Rio and then even the character of, uh, of L3. I felt like I'm just waiting for them to get knocked off. Like, yeah. Right. And that's a problem. That's, um, I think, a recurring thing because you have, like, if you think about it, um, even with, obviously, you go into Rogue One knowing there's going to be a whole lot of people not making it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, characters not making it out. So they've established that, you know, that's going to happen. This is the second movie, second standalone in a row that they've had that happen, where you go into the movie with a a set cast, and you already know going into the movie that you're going to lose part of that cast. You know Chewbacca, Lando, and Han are going to be fine. Right. And then everybody else. The only one that really threw me off for the long haul was Kira. That's the only one. Um, I wonder uh, what the end game is with her. Well, you know she needs to be removed. It's just how the yeah. ju- the, the fun she part needs was to be taken out of his life. Yes, and yeah, can't integrate back in. But I'm guessing we're going to end up seeing her uh, again. Uh, let's talk about favorite moments. Do you guys have something that you'd like to highlight? I like, and this is fan service more than anything. But I enjoyed all of the throwbacks to the Clone Wars mm-hmm. that were in it. Makes it, it feel a, like a cohesive universe. Yes. Yeah. Like, I agree. Or a sing. And yep. they talk about Chewie's home planet of Kashyyyk. And, mm-hmm. like, I, I love that. Yeah, I agree. I, I love that kind of stuff. Nick, what about for you? Uh, I mean, besides the moment when Chewbacca sits next to mm-hmm. Han, which is absolutely my favorite thing. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, I actually like, I don't know, I liked a lot of the stuff. I liked where we find Chewbacca in this movie. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, Did you know that immediately like that that was uh, Chewbacca? Uh, when they said it was the beast? Yeah. Uh, no, once he got thrown into the pit, yeah. I mean, yeah. it was pretty obvious. Yeah. Same same for me. I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't make those that connection when they said the beast. Well, yeah, with the pit that they showed, I really thought I was going to see a Rancor. Yes, yeah, right. I was like, I was this is going to be weird for them to have a Rancor here. Yeah. Like, how? Uh, yeah. Too. Like, yeah, it's yeah. literally what I was thinking. Um, I don't know if as far as favorite. I don't know. I don't know other than that. All right. Eric, what about you? Um, the obvious ones. I mean, like like I said, the easy ones to say because I am a Star Wars fan is the all the stuff with all the scenes that are supposed to give me that emotion with, with Chewie and Han. Even the scenes with Lando and Han that I'm supposed to get like that awesome like explanation kind of feeling with in terms of scenes that I'm not expecting or that don't reference that, that I just thought were really cool. The first time you see uh, Woody Harrelson mm-hmm. and he goes out on that battlefield and starts shooting the guys and spinning his, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, like so cool. spinning his blast around. The thing is, is like it, you have to explain it more than that, but like the, you, the idea that like that what he gets in that moment, you know instantly that what we know about Han Solo comes from this guy. Yeah, and it's just like that that realization, and then, and then getting to know those characters, and 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 make them not just be cutthroat, horrible people. Like like that scene where they sit around the campfire and you know, and they have a, a nice moment or whatever. Like you still don't trust him, but like it, it was, I thought it was real cool to like when you add in characters like that, actually make me interested in them it's the dimension of the character it's not so i mean you know that he's he's got that betrayal aspect of his persona and you can see it he's a good character yeah becker yeah well like when (laughs) she's they say something in the trenches too like of like how are we going to work this one this time or something like Mm -hmm. this thing of like you know that this has been a crew but you don't know fully know the details and then they show you see the the holes in his chest plate like i don't know i i just thought that i i thought that was kind of cool of like this wide-eyed Han Solo looking up and just seeing this guy. But he played him. Uh, Han played him from the beginning because he knew right away walking up, hey, why do you have holes in your chest plate? Okay. Oh, he didn't know it from like the moment he saw him. The moment he saw him was he looks over and just sees his other guy that he doesn't know, doesn't respect and sees him, we're going this way and get blown up. And then he sees this other guy just walk out and just dominate on the field. Empire needs you or something. Emperor. Emperor. It was Emperor. Emperor. Um, By the way, just as a side note, I think Woody Harrelson has built himself one of the finest film careers that I'm aware of. Yeah. That dude consistently is superior in everything that Not he does. Not just film. A True Detective Season 1 is one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, he was great in the Planet of the Apes movies, the Hunger Games movies. Matter mm-hmm. of fact, a lot of times he's the best thing in the movies that I see him in. I wouldn't say he's the best I don't think he's the best thing in, in this, this one, yeah. but he definitely did well, not do a bad job. He just did like, very well. Almost like Tom Hanks, when you think of early Tom Hanks, and, and or even what Jim Carrey has done at, at points. Like It's a guy that, because of where he came from, when you think of Cheers, he's great in Cheers. Oh, wow, we're back to Becker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> some, some Ted dancing. Came full circle. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he worked along, uh, he worked next to Becker. That's uh, where he got his Beckett from. No, but it's just a guy that, like, if all you would have ever seen is Cheers, you would have never thought this guy is capable of Mm-mm. the roles that he has done 
and done them so well. Yeah. Like there are a few people that when I hear their cast in a movie that I go, he's going to be good. Right. Like, and, and, and Woody Harrelson has become that guy. Where Take a look just, at his performance in this movie, the carefree, wizened, uh, smuggler, scoundrel, and then look at his performance that he does in the Planet of the Apes movie. Yeah. You, cannot, you cannot find different characters. He's definitely the best thing about that movie. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, um, I, I, one, I want to say one other sure. favorite moment. I didn't like the execution of it. I was expecting more. The realization that as a Star Wars fan, I was going to get to watch the Kessel Run. Yeah. You right. Know that was coming. Well, right? here's the thing. I, 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 I never, I didn't really uh-huh. put much thought into what I was going to see in Solo. I really I didn't. never did either. I didn't stop and wonder, like Jared well, probably did late at night, many nights. I guess I was <laughs> expecting right. something held his pillow more close than to that, him, but... but. I think what I liked about it was afterwards I was expecting like this huge renown for him yeah. and the only one who's celebrating the fact that he yeah, did this is, is him. himself. Yeah. And Chewie points out that he's exaggerating about <laughs> a it. A little bit, which yeah. Is great. Well, rounding, if you round down. <laughs> my, my most favorite moment in the movie, and I believe you heard me laugh pretty hard when it happened yeah. oh. this time, um, when they are caught and you know they're going to have a shootout at the OK Corral and Han Solo goes out with nothing yes. and talks about how they're, uh, he just yeah. needs to snap his fingers or whatever that in 30 minutes. My and then uh, when the, it uh, flies away and he just goes back and gets like, back in line. I, I give think up. that's the perfect Han Solo moment. Yeah. Yeah, that is, is somebody that well, truly understands the character of Han Solo. And if you watch in that moment when they're shooting him from behind, he's got Han's stature. Mm-hmm. He's got that yeah. down perfect. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, that, that arrogance and yeah. swagger. Like, yeah. Is perfect. Yeah, I guess uh, that definitely was the most joyous I got. I think in the movie is that was when you that, guys that were all the Falcon flies away and he just yeah. walks back and is like, like okay, okay, go well, whatever he said. Work. He goes, yeah. he's like, uh, oh, you can do your thing now. <laughs> like, yeah. like whatever he's like, you can proceed. He always, he's always thinking he's got the upper hand. Yeah, but he does it. Sometimes you know, he does. Sometimes I love it in the Force Awakens when the very first introduction to to his character is. There's two different opposing yeah. questionable moral characters on both sides of them telling them how much money he owes them. I was like, that to me was, I was, that immediately was, this person understands the character of Han Solo. And that's probably coming from the mind yeah. of Lawrence Gasden. All right, guys. Uh, is there anything else about Solo that you want to mention before we wrap up? Yeah, I, uh, we, we talked about Lee's favorite. I want to mention two things that really sure. bugged me. Um, and one I know on the top of my head, the other one I may not remember. Um, one, they were logic issues. Um, w- yeah, okay, I remember what that. So uh, basically, the main one, it really bugged me when they spent all that time. Even though I love the character of uh, Dryden, um, when he talks about how they can't do this and then they don't have any options, and they say they can go do this, you know, special run, and he says, "Well, you know, that's run by this other crime syndicate, and they can't be." Yeah, affiliated. the Pikes. You know the Pikes. Yeah, uh, they can't be affiliated with it. But then, literally, two minutes later, he sends his lieutenant to go with the group, mm-hmm. who is a known lieutenant. Like She is not a behind-the-scenes lieutenant. She is a right-hand man kind of lieutenant from what is shown to us. I think you're wrong. And uh, I, uh, My interpretation, now this is my interpretation. I don't have any information that you don't. He was never going to kill them. He was always looking to have leverage. Yeah, he wanted he wanted his end game. He yeah. wanted his end game suited. And Paul Bettany, I love him. Yeah, I love he's him. Awesome. He's it's Vision. Great. Yeah, I don't Ooh. know. 
Vision. Who's that? A Marvel oh, reference. Yeah, it's a Marvel okay. reference. Um, I like. I just him. like Paul Bettany. Period. Yeah, I do too. I like him. I thought that was maybe one of the worst bad guys in a Star Wars movie of all time. It wasn't a very good storyline. It really wasn't. Well, yeah. But I, I, I enjoyed it because it was Paul Bettany, and I'll just yeah. Say I'll that. say this: I didn't take it as the he's not going to actually kill you kind of thing. Uh, here's the thing: Does he still want what he wants? Absolutely. But does he have confidence in these people to deliver this thing? No. No. Uh, I don't think he does. And I think I like that it basically becomes a thing of what is so typical Han Solo, which is you've reached the end of the line and you manage to squeak out just a couple more days. Mm -hmm. That is very typical Han Solo is many times Han Solo has been in scenarios where he should have just been killed by the people he owes money to or the people that, you know, he's under. But he always finds a way to weasel his way out. Yeah. And I like that. And I think that is exactly what was happening there, which is... But but you got to... From his perspective, I understand that Dryden doesn't trust them, so he wants to send someone there. And also, I don't think Dryden's an idiot. I think that Dryden knows that... Right. He's told that these people know each other, but he can tell that there's a history there that he's testing not being loyalty. he's not mm-hmm. being told. So I think it is a testing loyalty kind of thing. That's all fine. Then don't put the scene right before where you say, "We can't be associated with this. We can't be known that this is us." Well, we you know no one knows that we're associated, so we can go and no one will know it was you. Okay, don't put your known lieutenant who's at a giant crime syndicate parties on the right hand of. You know, like, like Maybe th- that she's is a person that is that known. known. Han Solo doesn't know who she is at that point, like of what she's become. Mm-hmm. But I don't take it as she. No one knows. Like I, I think sure it is very known the level of where she's at. I, I think I, even Beckett knows to a to, to a degree. I feel like. I think it's a huge logic gap to send her on that mission. It, yes it does it out no. of convenience because what you want out of the story, you want to have those interactions between that. But you just put a barrier there that didn't need to exist. And then for purely cinematic purposes, broke that barrier. You didn't need to make that barrier. Fair enough. I um, can't dispute it because it, my own head interpretation is not on the screen. So yeah, it is what it is. I don't know. That, that's that, that's the way I feel with that. The only other thing revolved around that uh, those same characters. I don't like at the end when she attacks Han just to stab uh Dryden. Hmm, I'm going to disagree with I, you. I, I'll say this, this because I'll say this: the way that scene is laid out with the blocking and what's going on, it doesn't make sense to me. It, it seems like you put yourself even in an even more precarious position to do that than while the two people are engaged and not paying attention, just straight attack Dryden if that's your end game. Like it seemed like for a cool movie moment and to make Maybe her, she had make her play with the, the thing of the cinematic, oh my God, she's going to betray him. Like we're set up towards this betrayal and she's going to kill him and she's turning him in and, and all this stuff. You're, you're playing off that theme. But what have, would have really happened in that, the way the blocking was. Now, like if she's in front, that's different. If she's in front of Dryden and, and you have a reason for her not to be able to just straight attack Dryden, the way that blocking is, like, she literally comes from behind Dryden. Like, like she ha- there's no reason why she can't just attack Dryden. Mm-hmm. She literally disarms Han, risks his life in that moment, and then gets in between them and then has to go, like, backwards and start fighting him. Doesn't even kill him right away. It's not like she just stabs him. Yeah. She had be- enters a fight with him. It just, it was, again, movie setup and not 
good logic for what would happen in that scenario. It made a cool visual moment and it doesn't make sense. Well, that's why you just got to take it for the story. Like Jared said it it before. The The logic of Star Wars is not something to take seriously. But that's not, that's a different kind of logic. We're we're talking about like the logic and the, I mean, when you talk about the logic of Star Wars, I'm talking about that a planet can be all one thing and not have any kind of other terrain. Oh, no, no, no. There was water on these Oh, planets. yeah. Th- this one was different. Oh but, then, you know, this wasn't an episode. We'll keep those for That's the right. episodes. Yeah. Uh, but I'm saying... This like, one had, had a desert with, with Star water. Wars, so. uh, with Star Wars logic, it's like that. It's not with what someone would do in a survival situation in a... I don't know. That, to me, was just to... Literally just to play with the twist, betrayal moment and set up that will-she-won't-she she kind of scene. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe she hadn't made her mind up until that very moment. Because ah. she was very wishy-washy, that, Eric. She was no. very wishy-washy. She was very wishy-washy. No, so very beginning. No, no. you have no yeah. argument against yeah. that. Yeah, you're wrong. No, sir. I'm not she saying does that. Something that... in that scene that like tips that she's like still on his side. I don't remember what it was. She was gonna kill Han Solo. Looked into his face. Went, no, I can't do it. And killed yeah. uh, Boss. There it is. Right. Cannon. No, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think so. I, okay. Yeah. To right. Logic. Uh, Any other nitpicks? They're not nitpicks, but Nick. Yeah, I got some nitpicks. Do it. No, just one. Why are we showing the dice so many times? Because the only they're reason... iconic at this point. I mean, are they... What's interesting is they're not iconic. They're in not. The original they're trilogy. only iconic in the last movie that well, came out. They're iconic because people have obsessed over Han so much that right. they know everything well, about his costume. That's true, too. But the way that they kept showing yes. them and showing them just jamming it in my face, I figured that would be important in this movie, and it wasn't so, at all. with the dice, the same can be said of the Slave Leia outfit. Yeah, except that that's something everybody saw when they first watched Star Wars, and I don't think the dice was. They were there. I will have I'll, to I'll go back and notice. pay attention. I'll be honest, I did not. Uh, no. They're there. I, they're there. They I've are gone, there. But I've I'm gone saying, back and looked, but... As someone who had watched and been a fan and had watched a lot of Star Wars, until I read about them... Mm-hmm. I it was not something that I would yeah. have immediately. You could not have just shown me the dice stand alone, and I would have associated with. Which, console. by the way, in the original Star Wars, they're just normal dice with the normal dots. Oh yeah, um, they changed them. Yeah, they changed, changed with the symbols them. and stuff. That makes sense. It does make sense yeah. if you're gonna zero in on them. It sure. does make sense. Um, yeah. I'm just saying, like, I it was not something I would have associated with that character until I was told to associate that with that. Yeah, character. that's exactly my point. Yeah, and then it's it's also played into other. You know, we'll say in another film. I we don't name specifics, but the dice have been made into this more important thing than what I felt story wise they were. Mm-hmm. It's cool to give a reason to that. I'm okay with that, but you don't have to beat us over the head with it. It's a lot of. It's scenes. a bit much. Yeah. Um, also, speaking of too, they they meant those dice are focused on a lot in the early of the movie, mm-hmm. or early part of the movie. That was another one I was gonna say. The the dialogue between Kira and Han in the early part of this movie, I think, is just not good. I think it's it took I, a minute for me to get into the movie, but then oh, it it's very itself. it's very exponential. It's very info dump. Yeah, like it's very explanatory, expositional, yeah, expositional dialogue. Okay. It, yeah, I got the word. It's a lot of <laughs> setup stuff and just yeah, doesn't feel like what normal. Yeah, it's a fair complaint. Say. Fair complaint on that one. Yeah. Um, the only thing about the dice that I'll say is, and this is what I expected to happen, and I was sad that it didn't, because it does kind of seem like a non-thing uh, for the movie. I thought the ending of the movie um, would be Han, Chewie, cockpit, he hangs them up, they leave. Right. They do give you that scene, except without the dice. And I, th- I just thought it was a little what bit of a miss. It's very possible really it was in there the and it was cut it. because be. they wanted yeah. to The, the have a whole point movie. of having that would be just to hop on your annoyed bone. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Tiffany, 
Any passing thoughts? Nope, we're good. All right. That is it for Solo. If you've liked this uh, review that we've done for Solo, just be aware that we have done spoiler alerts. If you're looking through our um, feed, it's pretty easy to spot because they're not numbered like normal queued up episodes. Uh, there is one for The Force Awakens, Last Jedi, Rogue One, Solo. And non-Star Wars ones as well. It's just... When, when you have Jared leading the ship on uh, this podcast... <laughs> Be hard not to have him steer it towards a Star Wars movie. That's right. You know, love me some Star Wars. Well, we all do. So, you know, well, not all of us because we're missing one of our guys every time we do Mikey, one of these. Yeah, so. he's a he's a Star Trek fan. So he just he's been telling me he's been studying Klingon to be ready for the Quentin Tarantino movie. So there's that. All right, guys, so that's going to close the book on Solo. Please join us for next week when we do our review for Face Off, a film I think is going to be universally loved. <laughs> <laughs> and until then, uh, spoiler alert.